the Get Real Indie Filmcast with Jeffrey Michael Bays and Forrest Day Jr. All right, we made it to another uh, another episode. Here we are. We have a call to action for screenwriters today. So um, this is if you're a screenwriter, this is the episode to listen to because there's a big opportunity here. Huge uh, opportunity. For something, yeah. Huge. It is massive huge. opportunity. And uh, by the way, I'm in the middle of a thunderstorm, and uh, I'm losing my voice. So allergies are kicking <laughs> your butt. Yeah, it's. Uh, I I don't know if I can uh, finish the show or not. I I think you'll be able to do just fine. Do you, but, do you still have snow up there? No, but oddly enough, uh, we plowed snow like a month ago, and now we have okay. beautiful sunshine today. Beautiful. It's beautiful out. But you'd never know that we had slush. I'm going to say maybe five weeks ago, tops. But kind of an unexpected storm up here in New England. Really weird stuff going on here. If we ever did a podcast about the weather, this would be uh, this would be perfect. It sounds like we're doing one right <laughs> <Yeah>. now. <laughs> on the show today, we have Mara Lessiman. She has advice for women uh, that want to get into filmmaking. Some very good advice on surviving in the industry as a woman. Um, but our first guest is John Rhodes from the Apu Screenwriting Contest. And uh, uh, before I bring him on, I want to give a little bit of a background on what this controversy is about. Uh, the Apu character, uh, which is the convenience store clerk in The Simpsons, has been a character for uh, since the beginning of the show. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, here's a sample of what Apu sounds like. What was the cause of the Civil War? Actually, there were numerous causes. Aside from the obvious schism between abolitionists and anti-abolitionists, economic factors, both domestic and international, played a significant... Hey, hey. Yeah. Just, just say slavery. Slavery it is, sir. Yes, I am a citizen. Now, which way to the welfare office? What? I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I work, I work. Okay, so uh, this voice, uh, which has been around for decades now... Um, has caused uh, an issue within the Indian American community um, uh, because, um, first of all, it's a funny voice, all right? And so people laugh about it. Um, people start using this voice to mock them, uh, thinking that they're being funny and affable, but actually it's just offensive. Um, and there's a really good documentary out that talks about all of this. Uh, it's called uh, The Problem with a Poo, and it's on True TV. I definitely recommend you check that out. So Adi Shankar is this Indian-American producer and comedian uh, and a YouTube star, by the way. He's got a huge following. Uh, he's decided to come out with this contest looking for a script for The Simpsons um, that surrounds the Apu character and changes the character in some major way uh, to make him more realistic. And so he wants the winning script. Um, he's going to present that to the Simpsons writing team in hopes of getting it produced into an actual episode of The Simpsons. Uh, here's a little bit of his pitch, uh, just to give you an idea of what he's going for. You see, Apu has an accent that no Indian person on this planet has. He has a last name that no Indian person on this planet has. This is not a stereotype. It is a mockery. We spend a lot of time fighting. We fight each other. We need to stop fighting and, and come together and find solutions. If a group of people are saying that, hey, um, this made me feel uncomfortable, or hey, this, this made me feel hurt, 
Instead of telling them, hey, you're pretending to be hurt, talk to them. Figure out a solution together. We don't need to throw sticks and stones at each other. We just need to talk to one another and come together as humans. And John Rhodes is a friend of Addy's, and he's here with us now. Uh, John is head of marketing and business development at Coverfly, which is hosting this script contest. Uh, he's also the co-founder of ScreenCraft. John, thanks for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Excited to talk to you guys. So what kind of ideas are you looking for? Uh, a screenwriter out there uh, that has some funny ideas um, that maybe they would like to put into a script to submit to your contest. What what should they be looking for? What kind of ideas um, are you after? Um, what would the winning script look like? Um, ways that can more fairly present the character Apu mm -hmm. while still preserving the heart of comedy and parody that The Simpsons is so well loved for, to have a more updated, you know, presentation of what, and more, more relevant as well. It's pretty outdated. It's, you know, it's a silly caricature, but it's not even a caricature that's based on anything that's very true. Uh, so I think that's what Addy and many others have responded to. I'm not personally of Indian heritage, but I have many friends who are. And of course, Addy is and has talked at length about this in public and in private um, about how it affected him growing up, about, you know, his friends um, seeing the only person of Indian heritage represented on television for decades was uh, a, a poo, a silly cartoon you know, caricature uh, in The Simpsons, voiced by a non-Indian, um, and just feeling kind of the injustice of that and wanting to invite change in conversation and feeling really um, shocked and a little bit saddened by this dismissive attitude that Fox and uh, The Simpsons writer's room and the, you know, creator of The Simpsons have had for the issue, um, essentially calling it a non-issue, saying people love to be offended. And, um, you know, I think it, it is an issue. It definitely deserves more of a nuanced response than uh, just outright dismissal. Uh, so we're hoping that, you know, Addy hosting his um, screenwriting competition on our platform Coverfly will help invite more people into the conversation, hopefully, uh be a way to discover some really talented emerging and visionary new screenwriters and put them on the map because Addy's fully prepared to go out and produce this uh, episode independently and put it on his popular YouTube channel for the whole world to share and enjoy. Um, and that'll be a considerable opportunity for um, an emerging writer to be part of that. And that's what I think is cool about this is that if the Simpsons producers don't actually produce this into an episode, then Addy is going to produce it on his own as a kind of a fan fiction kind of. A yeah. Thing. So Addy's uh, YouTube channel is called the bootleg universe and the oh, bootleg yeah. universe is um, a collection of short fam films that essentially reinterpret you know existing iconic characters and stories most recently a mr rogers short based on an urban legend about mr mm -hmm. rogers being a military uh yeah. sniper um <laughs> and uh but others too i mean he's had one on um 
the Punisher and James Bond. And um, what's really cool about this Simpsons one is it's taking the bootleg universe into um, very culturally relevant territory. It's, 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 uh, it's making a statement. And that's what, you know, Addy loves to compare his bootleg universe channel to street art. You know, he says it's like a digital billboard where he's taking a public, you know, publicly recognized property um, such as, you know, iconic characters um, like the Simpsons or Power Rangers and, and he's reinterpreting them and putting it out there for free as, you know, his art for fans to engage with. And, and especially in this case to, to make a statement about what's fair and just in our society. John, how can uh, a screenwriter submit to this? Um, They just uh, submit their script and our readers will read it. And the best ones will be advanced to the jury for final consideration and they'll pick a winner. And the website's coverfly.com? Yeah, coverfly.com is where um, submissions are accepted. Um, There's not a dedicated website for this. You can go to coverfly.com to find it. You can also just Google Simpsons Screenwriting Contest or Apu Screenplay Competition and uh, you'll very easily find it uh, through the Google. Does it have to be submitted as a finished script or can you submit an idea? How does it work? Yeah, you can submit an idea. Um, you can also submit an unfinished script, but the the entries that will get the most serious consideration are going to be the most polished and most finished mm-hmm. scripts. Okay. So um, if somebody, you know, doesn't know how to write a screenplay or doesn't know, you know, Hollywood formatting conventions for writing a half hour comedy spec episode, then um, just do some Googling. Our, our website, ScreenCraft dot org has uh lots of free resources um there's plenty of free screenwriting software out there that you can write just online and it'll show you how to format it correctly as you go um most notably writer duet and caltex are two free options um and those are easy to find online you can just search free screenwriting software and yeah it's this i'm what we're hoping is that this can be a real opportunity for people with great ideas to take a swing at it to say you know what i've got Mm -hmm. some great ideas i love the simpsons i understand this issue i have some good ideas for how to reinterpret or um or show a poo in a more nuanced human capacity that's you know both funny and empathetic and uh and use this as an opportunity to take a stab at writing a script because um, the uh, the tools and the education are more accessible than ever. Um, and why not? You know, like film and TV are uh, the most powerful and culturally relevant, you know, art forms out there right now. And um, it's uh, it's more accessible than ever. It's it's it, this is, I think, something that one of the reasons that it's been so many people have responded to it is that it's such a uh, an aspirational thing to be like, hey, I could write an episode of The Simpsons and it could actually get produced. How cool would that be? Um, yeah. what t- it's a phenomenal opportunity for somebody. And once it's uploaded to um, Coverfly, um, mm-hmm. what happens to it? How's it? How's that work? Um, so Coverfly is an ad. Well, Coverfly is three things, um, but on the contest admin side, it automates. Uh, it's basically a submissions management uh, software. Um, so 
the screenplay entry comes in. Um, it gets you know imported into our system once they click submit, um, and then that PDF file um, gets uh, placed into a pool. And Addie and I have put together a pool of readers who are then claiming these scripts and scoring them. Um, the top 20% get advanced to the next round of consideration where each script gets read by a second reader and scored. And then the average of those two scores um, advances the top 10% to a third and final round of consideration. And then based on the aggregate three scores of the top 10%, the top 10 to 15 screenplays will get passed on to Addy and his team of Hollywood um, colleagues to to evaluate and choose the winner from those top 10 or 15 scripts. Wow. A lot going on behind the scenes. Awesome. Yeah. So it's no joke evaluating scripts. It it takes, you know, it takes experienced people to a evaluate them and B just to manage all the data in one place, you know, where Coverfly has been around for little, little more than a year Mm -hmm. now for, as a platform for, competitions and screenwriting fellowships and labs and, and film festivals to um, host their competitions on, to manage their submissions. And uh, just in that short time, about a year, we've had just cracked 50,000 submissions through the platform wow. and and growing every day. So we're really excited about the attention that this um, screenplay competition opportunity has brought to the platform. I mean, it was funny in our office a couple of weeks ago to get a text from Addy saying like Kanye just uh, <laughs> tweeted a link to the contest and to see our platform and Kanye's Twitter feed and then get picked up by the New York Times and CNN yeah. and The Verge CNN, and Mashable yeah. and all those places. It's BBC just did a <laughs> interview with Addy on their, their weekend uh, BBC One radio um, nice. over this past weekend. And um, Al Jazeera did a segment on it as well. So pretty cool to see our, our yeah. website cover fly, um, in the news so much with this. And it's, I, I mean, I'm, I just feel lucky to be a part of it. This is Addy's, you know, show it's his idea and his, um, initiative. And I'm really happy to be able to support it with our platform. Have you guys been in touch with the, uh, the Simpsons team, uh, any official reaction? No, they've been pretty conspicuously silent on the issue. Um, but I think, you know, look, as this thing escalates, um, it, they're going to have to make a statement and, and respond yeah. in some capacity. Um, I'm sure they're they're considering carefully how to respond. They don't they don't want it to turn any more negative than it has. Um, and I think when they respond, it's going to be much more of a nuanced response. And you know. A, a more empathetic response as well. And probably the, uh, the best response is for them to actually, uh, produce the episode, right? (laughs) Yeah. Or at least support it, you know, for at least to say like, look, yeah, this is an issue. We definitely have, you know, um, been insensitive and a little bit out of date and look, I get, you know, the Simpsons is a comedy and comedies are meant to poke fun at culture. They're meant to exaggerate flaws. I mean, I think, uh, all the Homer Simpsons out there, you know, aren't exactly up in arms, but, um, (laughs) we're, we're, I'm personally supportive of, of, um, the issue that Addy is really wanting to bring into more focus, which is, look, it's 2018, you know, America is on the verge of being a majority, um, you know, brown person country. We've got, you know, 
um, we're, we're, we're a nation built on immigrants and um, almost everyone living in America is, is the, um, you know, descendant of immigrants and um, just having insensitive portrayals of immig- immigrants as two-dimensional and, um, and just kind of like, yeah, it's, it's just out of date and insensitive and it's, it's time for something more constructive and realistic and, and actually funny to be presented. Um, and I think, you know, one of the things that Addy and, and Hari Kondabalu and, you know, others who have been outspoken on the issue have mentioned is that, you know, the Simpsons is primarily a white male Harvard educated writer's room. And, and so their perspective is going to be representative of their, their upbringing and their background and their milieu. Um, and maybe as an international show, as a show that's, um, you know, watched by millions around the world in many different languages, like maybe the writer's room should have a little bit more diversity and background of, of writers. Hmm. I remember watching The Simpsons on the Tracy Ullman show. They were they were little bumpers between uh, sketches. Tracy Ullman show was a sketch show and the animation was somewhat rough and who'd ever know that The Simpsons would turn into such a huge, you know, 30 years later. Oh, yeah. And here we are talking about, you know, uh, 30 years ago, uh, you know, these characters were, you know, ha, 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 nobody thought, you know, you know mostly <laughs> whites didn't think about it. Mm-hmm. And here we are 30 years later uh, actually seriously talking about a cartoon. And I think that's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, it's a different show now, and uh, it's an institution, you know, and I think the more, the bigger an audience you have, um, and the more popular a show is, the more responsibility it has to, um, to its audience Mm -hmm. and to the world, because it's, uh, it's very, you know, culturally influential. This should be quite interesting to see how this contest goes. Yeah, we're, I'm, I'm really looking forward to see what kind of ideas people come up with for reimagining uh, the character of Apu. Um, I, I can't wait. John Rhodes, founder of ScreenCraft and head of marketing and business development at Coverfly, a part of the Apu screenwriting contest. Thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks so much, John. Coming up on the show, we still have Mar Lessiman. She has advice for women getting into filmmaking. We'll be right back after this. If you're a filmmaker with a sense of humor, let me introduce you to the Spoof Dance Film Festival. This is the festival for those who like to make parodies. Spoof Dance specializes in TV commercial parodies, and you can also submit TV show parodies. Submission is open now. Visit borgus.com slash spoofdance to find out more. So welcome back to the show on uh, Get Real Indie Filmmaking. We're changing the name around a little bit, by the way, if you notice. If you notice, uh, we're, we're trying to find uh, the perfect name for the podcast. Um, if you have any suggestions, tweet us at BorgasFilm or email info at Borgus.com. I'm uh, thinking by episode 52 we'll have 
the perfect yeah. name. So we've been talking about the Simpsons controversy, and we're also talking about women in film. So a couple of hard-hitting topics mm-hmm. on episode three here. Yeah. So um, uh, Mara Lessman, Mara Lessman is a is an indie film producer, and uh, she's a success story. Mara Lessman is a writer and director. She's done two films: Surviving Family and Detours. Welcome to the show, Mara. Thank you. I'm glad to be here, Forrest. All right. Now, let's talk about um, your two films that you've already made quickly. And then uh, let's hear some advice for uh, women in filmmaking. Sure. Um, My first feature was called Surviving Family. It's um, a movie that stars Billy Magnuson, who's been seen in a lot of stuff recently. Um, He was in Bridge of Spies. He was in the recent series about O.J. Simpson. He's an excellent young actor. But anyway, Surviving Family is about a young woman from a very dysfunctional family who comes home for the first time in two years unexpectedly with her fiance in tow and a plan to get married in five days. And it's a story that touches on very difficult subjects like alcoholism, mental illness, and suicide, but it does it with love and also with a sense of humor. And I'm very proud of the movie. It's screened in 19 different film festivals. You can get it now on iTunes and on Amazon Prime. And I hope people will check it out. Now, my second feature is a lot lighter. It's called Detours, and it's a road trip movie about a father and daughter, and it's about a woman who has to move to Florida to start a new job, and she travels south with her widowed dad and her mom's ashes in a coffee can. And it's really a story about starting over at any age. Uh, We shot it running from New York City all the way down to Florida with a fantastic cast, and I'm, I'm very excited about it. Now, did you write both of these films? I wrote both of them and I produced them. I did not direct them. I like having a second set of eyes in them. Um, The first one, Surviving Family, was directed by a wonderful young woman named Laura Tease. And Detours was directed by a terrific uh, guy who mostly works with as a, a acting coach in New York City by the name of Rob McCaskill. And they're both terrific people, different uh, with different strengths, but wonderful to work with. Let's talk about your journey um, as a, as a uh, screenplay writer. Mm-hmm. Well, I started out, my background actually is in banking, which I did for 30 plus years. I didn't set out to be a writer, but when my husband and I started dating about 20 years ago, he was doing a lot of acting in black box theaters in New York City. And I went with him several times. And after seeing several plays, I said, you know, the actors are great. A lot of the directors are terrific, but the writing is lousy. And he's probably lived to regret what he said after that, which was, if you think you can do better, then do it. <laughs> so, And I started and I never stopped. So I started with some one-act plays and I moved on to short movies and then on to full-length screenplays. What advice would you offer to um, a young girl or, or even an, an adult woman who wants to do this um, but fears that, um, you know, it's, a, it's mostly a man-dominated um, industry? Um, I'd offer a few bits of advice. One is to start small. Um, We all want to make features. We all want to see our movies up there on the big screen. But start small. Start with a movie, a screenplay, and then a movie that's five minutes or less. Something that you can bite off and you can can shoot it within a weekend. You can edit it in a few days and get it into a few, few festivals, even just get it onto YouTube. 
anything so that it gets out there. Because if there's one thing that actors hate, and I know you actually, you can probably relate to this, is to never have anyone see their movie. It's like if you do the work and no one sees it, that is extraordinarily frustrating. So even if a movie just gets on YouTube, that's great. Somebody sees it. But don't be afraid to, to just jump in there and do it. The other thing is, yeah, you know what? You're right. It is in many ways still a male-dominated world, and you just got to deal with that. I, in a way, was lucky because I got used to doing that in banking. When I started out in banking in the early 1980s, I would often go into a room and be the only per- only woman there. I worked in trading rooms for many years, so I, I learned to deal with bad language and angry people and guys throwing phones. And, you know, I learned to do it with the best of them. Um, I can throw a fit like uh, there's nobody's business. Not that anybody should do that, but, you know, I'm not intimidated by it because, I've seen it and I've done it. The thing is, as a woman, you have to accept the fact that you're probably going to work with a lot of men. They're going to be bigger than you, physically stronger than you, and you cannot let them intimidate them. There were a couple of times, particularly on detours, when I just had to put my foot down and say, no, I'm in charge. This is my decision. You guys all had input on it. And this is just the way it is. And sometimes you have to raise your voice. And women, for better or worse, tend to be more collegial than men. We, we like consensus. We like people to agree. But sometimes that's just not going to happen. And you just have to be willing to put your foot down and accept the fact that, you know what, people may get angry at you. And that's just the way it is. If it's your project, you have to just accept that. The other thing is figure out what your target audience is. Um, there's basically four quadrants. One is women under 30, then women over 30, men under 30, and men over 30. Figure out first your number one target and then your secondary target. In my case for detours, women over 30 are my first target, men over 30 are my second target. Only the big Hollywood blockbusters are really going to be able to target all four quadrants. And that's really why they refer to them a lot of times as tentpole movies, because they're going to put a tent over the entire universe and try to encompass everyone. I was talking with a distributor recently who is very interested in detours, and she agreed with me completely on what the two targets were. And the way she described it was that detours is about I thought I found Prince Charming and then it all turned to shit, which is very much what it is. And she said, women over 30 love that. We've all been there. Women under 30 are still looking for Prince Charming. They don't want to hear about it. Men over 30 can relate. You know, they've they've all been down that same street of we thought we had it, we thought we found it, and then we didn't. So you can't try to target everything and be realistic. Um, the other thing that that is frustrating to women. And I think we just have to keep banging away at it is that women are, are directing and producing and writing more and more low budget indie features. And even if you go to high profile festivals like Cannes or Sundance, you're going to see a lot of things that are run by women, but you don't see as many movies that are like the hundred to $150 million movies helmed by women. And there's a lot of frustration in the, in women in the industry right now, because we feel like the men who have a successful first or second low budget feature are far more likely to get that jump up to the big budget movies than women are. But, you know, we got to just keep banging away at it. Um, And to a certain extent, I think 
that as women become power players more and more and become the front office people who are making the decisions, we're going to have those opportunities. And you can go in a corner once in a while and throw things and scream in frustration. But then you got to, as my uh, stepdaughter would say, you know, pull up your big girl pants and go out there and face the world. Do you feel it's it's gotten better over the past, say, five years? Yes. And where, yes. and where do you see it in the next five? I definitely think it's gotten better in the sense that when I go to a festival or when I just go online um, uh, in different forums, I see far more women than I used to in all segments of the world, um, writing, directing, producing, cinematographers. It has been extremely unusual to see women behind the camera. We've got more and more of us doing that. So, yes, I absolutely think it's getting better. And I'm just going to think it's going to continue to go in that direction. Um, The success of um, even like the high profile women, even someone like Angelina Jolie, who we don't usually look at as someone who has to fight to get ahead, because this is a woman who's been tremendously successful as an actress. But now she had to fight to get behind the camera and to get people to take her seriously and to get to to direct not just a female-led movie, but also male-led movies as well. And that that's kind of where we're also trying to make progress. So I think it's just, it's going to be a slow road, but I think we're, we're definitely going to get there. And you're also seeing more women in decision-making positions at the big studios. And as that continues, that's going to help women behind the camera and at the keyboard as well. And and I want to say that I, I've worked on a few short films and over the past, um, well, I've been working on them for a few years and I've seen a lot of uh, a lot more women involved as crew. I, yep. um, I worked on one where the uh, it was a female DP and she knew what she wanted, where sometimes you see guys are a little more wishy-washy <laughs> and she's like, yeah. no. This is what I want, and this is how it's going to go down. And um, I've just worked on a film that was produced by and directed by um, two uh, wonderful women, and uh, just a wonderful project to work on. But uh, like you say, women really seem to know what they want, whereas guys are kind of like a little bit more in space. Well, some of that could be sort of self-selection, because when a woman goes into a male-dominated field, you have to be that much more sure that you want it, and you're going to sit down and think about it damned hard before you go forward. Whereas because it's a little bit easier for a guy, you might get a broader range of men coming into it and not as much uh, self-selection as you do among the women. So I would say there are probably as many crappy women as there are crappy men, but they may just not put themselves forward in the same way. Because if if you aren't 100% confident that you're willing to jump into this, you're probably going to take a step back. All right, Maura, best of luck on your uh, films. Thank you so much. A pleasure to talk with you, Forrest. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Get Real Indie Filmcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on Twitter at Borges Film. The Get Real Indie Filmcast is a production of Borges Networks 2018.